On. He's. I think it is on. It is on. Okay, to get the levels right. Okay. Good morning. Good morning, people. Hello there. It's lovely to see love in action and communication. There's going to be lots of opportunities afterwards over your coffee to have a little chat. Um, but uh, I think I've sensed God is wanting to do some business. My name is Steve. I'm one of the leaders in the community here in St. Catharines. Uh, it's my pleasure to bring God's Word today. But I, I'm going to jump in with something a little bit different. I don't normally do this, but I just feel compelled this morning to sort of jump into some of the prophetic stuff. And we were saying, give us courage not to waste our hearts on fear. So that's what I'm going to do now. I'm not going to waste my, my, <laughs> my heart on fear. And I'm going to jump in because I feel God wants to say a few things. And then, I'm going to, and then when I'm actually talking, um, I'll explain why I did it like this. Um, so first of all, I'm sensing that there are people here who have felt imprisoned by their circumstances. Uh, uh, unfairly imprisoned by their circumstances and the difficulties that, are, that, that they are facing, just like Joseph experienced in, in Genesis. Uh, and I feel God is saying today, I'm going to release you from your position in jail where you've been unfairly put, and I'm going to give you a position of prominence to have huge influence. And your time in the jail has not been wasted. Okay. How does that sound? Amen? Amen. We accept that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going I'm to take a, a bit more of a step of, of, of faith now. I'm going to start to get a little bit more risky. I edge out on the plank of prophecy. And I'd like to say to the, the lady at the back with the pink scarf, I really get a sense that God wants to give you joy. And I get a picture of balloons, okay? Very brightly coloured balloons, helium balloons that you are holding. And I sense he's going to give you this joy and he wants you to go out and give it to other people. Give it to people in hospital sick beds. Give it to kids who are feeling lonely and, and, and outcast in the schoolyards. Give it to people who are struggling. So I just get this sense that God wants to release you into a ministry of receiving joy and bringing joy. Okay, that's cool. Good. Let's keep going, shall we? Sam, are you here? Has he gone? He is. He's just here now. Sam, the word I'm getting for you is from Psalm 25. It's giving you a prophetic word. I'm giving you a prophetic word, yeah, by the way. I'm, I'm just doing this now. Keep drinking your, your coffee. And for you, Sam, it's verse 2. It, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Okay. And I, I feel a sense God is saying to you, he's appointing you. He is appointing you to kingship. And he wants you to play hide and seek with him. Okay? So the stuff that he wants you to get for other people and to give for other people, but he's like, he, likes it, he likes to bury it, so you have to go and, and, and search it out and seek it out. So It's just a real encouragement to, to really jump into the scripture, to jump into times with him and see what he brings to you because that's going to be such an important thing that you download and you take it and, and that, that, that treasure that you then share it. 
So I think there's a special encouragement and an anointing for you to be able to, to do that. Okay. Cool. Joy, Ebs, are you here? Thank you, Joy. Do you mind if I give you something? That's fine. Good. I'm just sensing um, the Father is very close to you. And, and um, although you, you may have been through difficulties and, and um, uh, tricky seasons and, and seasons with, with grief in, I'm just saying that Father is close to you and there are diamonds in the dust for you. There are jewels where you're, where you're at. And, I, and I, I just sense him becoming very close to you and guiding you to see all the precious things that, that he's giving you even in the midst of difficulty. I just, I just pray for that, that you'll find that release to find how precious he is and, and the precious things that other people have contributed that otherwise you may have, 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 have overlooked. And there's, there's a sort of a healing uh, in that as well. So I'm just praying that for you as well. Okay. Now, we take another step further. We're starting to get a bit more risky now. Okay, I, I sense that in this part of the room uh, there is um, maybe one, maybe more person um, you, you have um, a problem with um, one of your knees. And I just sense that there, uh, God wants to bring healing to that. Is there anyone here with a knee problem? There is. Okay. And we have several. Okay. Um, I'm wondering if, if people could just put their hands out to, um, to, 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 to these people and we'll just pray for you now. Um, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just pray. We declare healing. Thank you, Lord, that you've given this word of knowledge. Uh, and we honour that, Lord, and we ask you now to, uh, to bring healing in Jesus' name. We declare healing for these knees, that they will be fully restored, that you will take away any pain, any inflammation, that you will bring fullness um, as it is in heaven, so may it now be in, on earth, in Jesus' name. We declare healing for that. Okay, and then on this side, and my wife's going to laugh at me now, on this side of the room, I, I, I think that we should... Um, I'm sensing that um, God wants to bring relief from someone who's had headaches, a lot of headaches, recently. Uh, now, I know one person who that applies to. Uh, are, are there any other people here who have been struggling with headaches? Okay, there's one there as well. Um, possibly. Okay, okay, yeah, claim it. Claim it. Okay, if you're not on that side of the room... If you're not on that side of the room, go and sit there. No, no. <laughs> Just claim it. You, we can do this. It's legitimate. God is good enough to bend the rules. So if I think it's over here, yeah, we all move over here. Okay, and can we do the same? Then can we just pray for these people? Father, uh, Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray now for healing. In Jesus' name, we declare an end to these headaches and enter them now. We declare that Holy Spirit move now powerfully, powerfully. In Jesus' name, we release that. Amen. Oh. Um, yeah, I think I'm done there. Can I say something? Yeah, no, no, you can. Yeah, go on. Don't go away. It's on. Can you hear me? Um, on the off chance that you're here as a guest and you've just walked in and what Steve has just done and how he's just prayed is very new for you um, and you've got any questions why don't you come and speak to us later before you go mm. um, nothing to be afraid about if we read the scripture Old Testament right the way through to the New Testament 
we see that God is speaking to his people through um, people with prophetic gifts and through prophetic ministry. So I just wanted to stand with him, encourage him. Uh, We haven't done anything like this for a long time, but it's something God's been speaking to us about. And so um, Steve has been very brave um, and uh, stepping out and risking for us on our behalf as a church family. So um, if we could just together, just I suppose, just I want, I want to just pray again and pray for Steve, but pray for God that this would be a season where God starts to speak prophetically again, minister to us prophetically and gift us to be a prophetic Uh, voice to the city and to the people in our lives. So, Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, thank you for the way that you move, you work. Mm -hmm. Thank you for Steve, for his courage. Uh, And Lord, we just say, St. Catherine's is yours. Mm -hmm. It was your idea in the first place. You know exactly where you're taking us. And right from the very early days through to now, you have called us to be prophetic as a church. And we want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. We want to risk. Or we want this church to be a place of sanctuary. Not that, not that it's a place free from risk, but a place where it's safe to risk. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. There we go. Um, John 10, 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I just sense that's what this morning's all about. That's why I did that. Because I I just sense, let's go a bit further. Let's push it a bit further. Let's not settle for less. Because that's, in in a sense, what I'm going to be preaching about is um, Nehemiah 7, uh, which is up here. And it's not settling for less. Uh, Nehemiah 7 comes in the middle of of the book of Nehemiah. uh, And I'm the middle preach in the preaching series here. And actually, the walls have just been built. Walls have been built. That was it. Great. Job done. Let's go home. But Nehemiah doesn't do that. He doesn't go home. He doesn't say, okay, thanks guys. I did it. We did it. Bye. He spends another few chapters bringing other stuff. So he doesn't settle for less. And isn't that great? And we mustn't settle for less as well. Because often what God gives us as, as, a, as a first goal is only an entry point for what we need to do. It's the first step on the way. So let us not settle for just the first step. Because if Nehemiah had stopped, we would have, we would have had this, we'd have had some nice walls, we'd have had some nice gates, and we'd have lots of traders, shops. We would, in, in fact, have had a shopping centre. Okay? So this is the, uh, whatever, 9th century BC version of Liffey Valley. Okay? God does not want us to settle for Liffey Valley. Um, so it's about pressing on, not settling for less, wanting abundant life. Okay, next slide, please. Next slide. There we go. So it, it's not that the walls weren't important. They were. They were, they were kind of, a, they were kind of um, important from several aspects. Um, but they're, they're not enough. The walls obviously provide security, which is great, which is what people needed. But and, and they also communicated various things. So <clears throat> Psalm 48 talks about God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, revealing himself as its defender. Verse 12, it says, Go inspect the city of Jerusalem, for this is what God is like. 
So when the walls are up, it looks great. This is what God is like. We have a fine building, St. Catherine's. It's a fine piece of architecture, but it is that, a fine piece of architecture. It is not the church. We are the church. This is a lovely building. But nevertheless, it is a sign. It is a sign of God doing something. It's also a sign to the community of what they can do. Wow, we did that in six weeks. We did that in 40 days in the Lent project. Wow, look what we did. We took on a Lent project and look what we did. That's encouraging. We can do a lot. Lots of very powerful people in the room. Together with God, we can do a lot. So it's an encouragement. The walls are, are, are an encouragement. And maybe whatever wall you're going to construct in the next 40 days, who knows? It's also a sign that something is happening. Something is on the move. So it's about promise. It's about something is being restored. So the walls were very important in all these different ways. But, but they're, not, they're not enough. And if we look back at um, when Nehemiah talks about the problem in chapter 2, we can start to discern what, what, what is enough. And he says uh, in chapter 2, when he's trying to encourage people, he says, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of J- Jerusalem and end this disgrace. So we're in trouble, we're in adversity, affliction, we're in distress. Jerusalem lies in ruins. But what it actually says, it doesn't actually say lies in ruins, that's sort of a bit of a paraphrase. What it says is Jerusalem is dried up. It's, if you like, withered, wasted, parched. It doesn't have life. And the great danger is that we can have walls and no life. And the great danger for Jerusalem is that actually... Although it was a city on a hill, it had no natural water source. And the architects around Jerusalem were always trying to find how do we get the water into Jerusalem, so they built all kinds of tunnels and channels and underground stuff to try and make sure they could get the water source inside the city walls. Because otherwise, it risks getting dried up. And we need the full release of water physically, but we also need the full release of the Holy Spirit in here. So let us not settle for less. And that's why we tried stepping out there with the prophetic, to release the Holy Spirit, to release life. Because the restoration of Jerusalem was trying to make a city of God that reflects heaven. That's what we want to do here. We've had prophetic words about being a city on a hill being the light of the world. And that requires us to draw down on God's Holy Spirit so that we have fullness of life, an abundant life, and not just go through the motions or have a nice piece of architecture. Great. Okay, next slide, please. So I'm now going to look, I'm going to do a bit of reading from Nehemiah, uh, chapter 7, which is our key focus for today. Uh, I won't read it all. There's a long list in the middle. And as you know, preachers love long lists so much. Uh, I love it so much that I'm going to you know, um, withhold from reading it to you so that you can read it by yourself later. Uh, and that'll be fun. 
Okay, Nehemiah 7. After the wall was finished and I had set up the doors in the gates, the gatekeepers, singers and Levites were appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. And even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards and everyone on a regular watch. Some will serve at sentry points and some in front of their own homes. At that time the city was large and spacious, but the population was small and none of the houses had been rebuilt. So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city, along with the ordinary citizens for registration. I had found the genealogical record of those who had first returned to Judah. This is what was written there. Here is the list of Jewish exiles of the province who returned from their captivity. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon, but now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where they originally lived. And then I'm going to leap all the way to the end of the chapter and just the beginning of verse 73. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. Okay, thank you. Next slide, please. Great. That's not the next slide, but it looks good. These are the mountains around Jerusalem. Uh, anyway, the interesting thing of what Nehemiah does is he doesn't rest on his laurels when he has this success. He immediately gets going with the particular problems that he has to face. We're still not there, never mind. Uh, and, and he does three things. First of all, he says, I'm going to close the gates of the city in the heat of the day because I want people to rest. Rest over shopping. I'm not going to let the traders in. I'm going to protect people's time so that they can take it easy. They can rest. They need to rest. They need protection. That's my priority. Rest is a priority. Number one lesson. So immediately he's kicking in. He's seeing problems and he's immediately doing something about them. The second thing he does is that obviously he's been listening to Owen's preaching because he immediately starts to... Starts to think about up, in, and out. Okay, so he's been he's been he's been clued into to, to the connect groups, and he immediately he immediately sets up singers who will sing to God, praise God, up, priests who will look after the people, in, and guards who will face out. Up, in, and out, the hallmarks of a life-giving, effective community community of communities, is that you have these things going through the DNA. So he's setting up good principles. Rest, and he's setting up up, in, and out. You need these three focuses. This is what healthy life looks like. And he also, the third thing he does quite quickly, is he appoints other leaders. So he's not going to be the bottleneck. Okay? Doesn't suffer from leader's disease. Going to let him compare other people so that it frees him up. So he appoints two people, Hananiah and Hananiah. And Hananiah was an interesting guy. I put smelly Hananiah here. And Nehemiah himself was a bit of a recovering party animal because we know he was a wine, the wine taster to, to, to the king. So, you know, I imagine that was, that was kind of an interesting job. And we know Hananiah, well, uh, we don't know this, but there is a Hananiah in chapter 3 who made perfume. So it could be him. Uh, and Hananiah built a 
portion of the wall. In fact, there, there, there are the two mentions of Hananiah building a portion of the wall in chapter 3. So maybe he built two portions of the wall. So he has a double dose of faith. And maybe it's his faith which gets him the leadership, not what he does. Another lesson for us that God looks beyond what we do. Whatever our day job is, it's fine. Whether it's making perfume, whether it's digging coal, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. God can use you if you have faith. Faith is the currency. So, Nehemiah's doing some pretty sharp things here. He's sorting out life. He's reordering our priorities. He's not settling for less. He's moving us on to release talent and leadership and good focus and rest. Great stuff, good principles to to learn from here. Uh, Okay, next slide, please. Okay, and then Nehemiah jumps in, which he does so often. It's a beautiful exercise. He jumps into dealing with what what society calls now wicked problems. Whoops, just dropped that. I don't know if you've come across the concept of wicked problems. Anyone come across that problem before? Wicked problems? Design thinking? Oh, there's a nod there. Yeah, yeah, wicked problems. And wicked problems are problems that you... It's an issue, but you don't really know what the, what the issue behind the issue is, and you don't really understand how you can solve it, because it seems to be all very complicated. So things like debt, homelessness, malnutrition, healthcare. These are all wicked problems that we have in, in society. And all the politicians and all the technical experts get together and they scratch their heads and they can't work out precisely what they should be doing because they're difficult. But Nehemiah walks in and he sorts it out, time after time. A few weeks ago we were talking about him sorting out slavery. Here he's dealing with homelessness and healthcare. He just goes in, he sorts it out. He doesn't know about wicked problems. For him, he has faith. How does he do it? How does Nehemiah do this? So my God gave me the idea. So it says in verse 5, At that time the city was large and spacious, but the population was small, and none of the houses had been rebuilt. Housing crisis. So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city, along with the ordinary citizens, for, for registration. That might seem like a small thing. God downloads his ideas. For the wicked problems that we face, God will download ideas into your heads. What is the wicked problem that you face? God has the answer. I know this. I do a lot of work in the healthcare sector. Uh, My day job is to do research and teaching around that and to give policy advice. I know when God's downloaded an idea, it won't go away. It has a life. It's fizzy. It's there. It just sits there fizzing. And I know I've got to do something with it. I don't always know what I have to do with it. And I have just to sit, it's like a bath bomb on And I, it's just fizzing in, you know, and it's there. But I know at some stage it will, God will give me the opportunity to release it, to speak it out, to write it down, to submit it, to influence how change is made. Now I know he'll do that. I know he, he does do that because I, I live that. But I also pray but we pray now that you would release the ideas into people's hearts and minds and spirits 
for the wicked problems that they face. You would release those ideas and you would give them the opportunity to bring that change so that we can truly be the salt and the light and the yeast and the mustard seed for every situation that we find ourselves in. So new city, new start. How can you bring life, Father? And uh, next slide, please. Okay. One of the lovely things I, I, I really like about the, the, this chapter, apart from the long list, which I love, um, is it talks about everyone coming close to Jerusalem. There's, people were quite scattered. They come together, they built the walls, they'd gone home again. But then, no, 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 no. We're not having that. Nehemiah draws people close. And it's a bit like emperor penguins. Now, you, you may have come across... There's some new research out on emperor penguins, actually, which is very interesting. Um, now, you may have believed, as I did, that emperor penguins at the South Pole, it's so cold, and it's all the dads uh, as, as well, so there's no excuse, dads. It's, this is not something that, that we leave to other people. All the dads come close, and the dads are carrying the babies with their feet as well. They, they carry the egg on, on their feet. Um, and they, they all huddle in close because it's like minus 30 degrees out there and the wind's whipping across and it's pretty horrible and the emperor penguins stay close to keep warm. Okay. Well, apparently the latest research shows they don't have to do that all the time because, because the way they're built, when they huddle together, they do these huddles, they only have to huddle together for about 50 minutes apparently and the temperature in the huddle gets up to 99 degrees Fahrenheit. Pretty good, eh? So, so, they, so they have a sauna, and then they go, whoa, okay. And they sort of you know, come sweating out into the Antarctic, and they can wander around for a bit, so it's fine. So they don't have to do that all the time. So to do community, I just felt God was speaking to this, you don't have to be in each other's pockets all the time, but you do need to connect. Meaningful connections that can lift us. And what does that look like for you, that meaningful connection? Because God wants to bless us through the ideas, but he also wants us to do it together, to help each other, to help each other. What meaningful connection uh, points do you have during a week? And could you expand on that? Is it just phoning up? Is it going for the cup of coffee? Is it the connect group or the porridge? That's going to be coming. Looking forward to the pecans are a real selling point, by the way. What does that look like? So... Nehemiah here encouraged his people to be close. Even though the project wasn't finished, he said, come around, come around, and we can help each other in that. Okay, and now last slide before I come into land. Thank you. What's exciting about Nehemiah 7 is it draws everyone together. It brings a focal point, and that's what he's doing, Nehemiah 7. He's doing through this list. This list, because this is the list of people who returned, who made the journey, who were faithful. And there's something exciting about that. The people who counted the cost and said, it's worth it. The people who returned home. The people who decided they wanted to rebuild what was lost. The people who said, I want to stay close because I want to be part of something that's going on. These are the heroes of faith. And I want you to look around. 
because these are the heroes of faith who stay the course, who persevere, who keep going. You are the heroes of faith and to you the kingdom of God is your inheritance. And God is preparing his people for the fullness of the kingdom of God as a community together. And that's why Nehemiah records this long list because these are the people that God wants to honour and want to recognise with his favour and his blessing. This is a good point. And I'm just going to finish. I'm just going to pray about a couple of things and I'll hand back to, to Louise. Father, thank you for the new life you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for the way you want to, to lead us into that. Thank you, Lord, for the preparations that you're making in us, Lord. Please now, Lord, help us not to settle for less. Help us to reach for more. Thank you, Lord, you have so much more for us, which is good and wonderful. Lord, give us ideas so that we can help address the wicked problems of society and help us, Lord, to connect so that we can together be the family that you've designed us to be and be the church that you so want us to be. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray that. Amen.